Chiefs family. <laughs> Feels very good to be back with y'all here tonight at Fuse. Um, I just want to share a quick story before um, we continue with this series tonight. I was just in worship earlier today and just felt impressed in my heart by the Holy Spirit as He does to share a story. So when I was little, um, I didn't grow up in a Christian home and I would go to bed at night. Every single night I had this very strange routine where I would kiss my hand and try and send this kiss with a breath as far into the atmosphere, as, as high into the universe as I possibly could. You're probably wondering, what the heck were you trying to do? I felt as a young person, five, six, seven years old, that there was a being, there was something, someone out there that I was not with, that I was not close to. And I knew that, that there might have been a God or someone out there, and I was so disconnected. So as a five, six, seven-year-old, every single night, I would not go to sleep until I tried to communicate my love and my affection to this God as I tried to reach out to Him, hoping that He would receive this kiss. At the age of 14, I went to a youth ministry similar to this, and I heard the message of Jesus. I heard that there is a loving Father who sent His Son into the world to die on a cross for me, that I would be reconciled to Him for all eternity. And the moment I heard that message, something resonated in my heart and I've never been the same. You see, as a teenager, I'd go to bed at night as a 10, 11, 12, 13 year old and I knew there was something missing in my life. I felt this void, this emptiness. Something wasn't right, but I could not pinpoint what it was. And at the age of 14, when someone told me this man named Jesus gave his life that I could be reconciled to this God in the universe who I'd been sending kisses to at the age of five, my life has never been the same since. And I know there are probably some of you here and on other locations and campuses who are listening to me share this story. And for you, that's your story. You've spent your whole life wondering what is it going to take to fill this void, this emptiness that I feel in my life. And I wanna tell you tonight from the offset of this message that His name is Jesus, that He isn't far away. He's not out there in the universe. He is right here with us tonight. And He wants to come and fill your heart in a way that you would never have to be empty or lonely ever again. So what I wanna do right here, right now is give you that opportunity. If you are empty, if you have something missing in your life and you like me are wondering, what is it gonna take? I'm telling you, my friends, it's Jesus. That when you surrender your life to Him, He comes and takes up all occupancy, all residency in your life and you will never be the same again. So why don't we do this on every single campus tonight? Would you just close your eyes with me? Have you been connected to that loving heavenly Father through the death, the resurrection of His Son, Jesus? If you haven't yet, I wanna give you that opportunity. I want you to put your hand up in the air and as you do that, just say, just pray to God, I give you my life. I give you my life. With every eye closed, I wanna invite leaders to look around, notice if anybody has their hands up, because at the end of the service, I would love for you to have a conversation with them. If your hand is up, you can go ahead and put that down. And I wanna pray for us as we continue tonight's service. Father, you are such a good God. You are far better than we deserve. That Jesus, you left your throne in heaven and came to earth and died on a cross that we could be reconciled to God forever. 
Lord, help us to live in light of that wonderful truth that we call the gospel, that wonderful truth that's been given to us, that wonderful truth that I just talked about. We love you. We love you. Speak to us tonight. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen, amen. Hey, I love you guys. This feels absolutely awesome to be back with you tonight. God is doing something so special here. I had goosebumps as I'm watching you guys worship. And so I'm going to continue this series called Living Legacy tonight. But before I did, I actually wanted to give a little bit of a recap, a little bit of an update on my life. For those of you who don't know who I am, my name's Stacey. I actually got the honor to work here with Fuse for four years. So I feel like some of, I owe some of you an update of my life because it's quite exciting, okay? So number one, my update is I work at an amazing church in Australia called Elevation Church, not affiliated to the one in North Carolina, very different, but I have a photo. So this is my church that I work at on the beautiful Gold Coast. These, this is our volunteer Christmas dinner last year. Now catch this, while we're all struggling and it's like zero degrees Celsius right now in Anderson, over there it's 105 degrees Fahrenheit, okay? So that's like really hot right now in Australia. So I work in a beautiful part of the planet. So that's my first update. My second update is this photo right here. I have two beautiful nephews now. Look at those boys. I just love them. So that's Hudson on the right and Ashton on the left. They are an absolute dream. And my third update, which might be the most exciting of all, is I do have a boyfriend, so we'll flick that, yep. And now take it down, take it down, because I can't look at it. I miss him too much. It's been two and a half weeks, and I can't wait to see him. So those are my quick little updates to catch you up to speed with my life. But tonight, what I'm going to be doing is talking about living legacy based out of 2 Timothy chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, you can go there um, with me tonight. So last week, Caleb um, preached an amazing message about how we have been entrusted this thing. And I just talked about it. We've been entrusted with the gospel and we're called to guard it. We are called to grow it and we are called to give it away. And so here in the second book of Timothy in chapter two, Paul continues his letter to his son in the faith named Timothy. And he's writing to him about the type of man, the type of mindset that he wants Timothy to have. Because Paul knew that he was about to die for what he believed in. And he also knew that it was a big possibility that his young son in the faith, Timothy, would also die at some point because of what he believed in. So he is writing this letter to Timothy to try and encourage him to guard this good deposit that's been entrusted to you, to grow this thing and to give it away because this is the hope of the world. And so we'll pick up the story, we'll pick up the letter in 2 Timothy chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, why don't you wave it in the air? Some of you are waving your phones, that's awesome. Still the Word of God, which I love. So 2 Timothy chapter 2, I'm going to start in verse 1. And it says this, Timothy, uh, Paul writes to Timothy, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier. Everybody say soldier. Say it like an Aussie, soldier. Soldier. Like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete, everybody say athlete. Who here is an athlete? Who here wants to be a college athlete? Who here wishes they were good at any sport, but you are not very good? Okay, that's me. <clears throat> says an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer. Everybody say farmer. farmer. 
Say it like an Aussie, farmer. We just leave the R out of everything, okay? It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, Timothy. For the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David as preached in my gospel. So that's what we're talking about tonight. That that whole chapter, that whole passage. But what I want to draw our attention to is those three words that I just had you say after me. Soldier, athlete, farmer. Everybody say soldier, athlete, farmer. Now, what in the world is Paul getting at? Why did he pick those three out of everything? And to paraphrase this passage, I want to say this. that What Paul is saying to Timothy is this, that if it's worth it, if Christianity is worth it, I'm about to die. If following Jesus is worth it, Timothy, then you better believe that if it's worth it, then you've got to work at it. Because what do those three things have in common? A soldier, an athlete, a farmer. They require really hard work. He didn't say, hey, you've got to have the mindset of a vacationer or a visco girl, right? He didn't say any of that. He said, you've got to have the mindset of a soldier. Do we know what soldiers do? They risk their lives, sometimes lay their lives down for their countries. What does an athlete do? This is why I'm not an athlete, because I do not want to get up at 4 a.m. and go work out and have to be like, difficult with my diet. I just want to eat whatever I want. So what is he saying? He's saying it's hard to be an athlete. It requires training. And then he talks about a farmer. I don't want to be a farmer either. They've got to milk cows every single morning, go and sow some seeds and wait for it to become a harvest. Paul is saying to Timothy, Timothy, if you are going to live a a life of legacy, if you're going to guard this thing that's been given to you, if it's really worth it to you, then you've got to work at it. Say that with me. If it's worth it, everybody say, if it's worth it, you got to work at it. Now, you guys sound too Southern, okay? A little bit too Southern. You got to just go ahead and take those R's out of everything, all right? Say it like me. If it's worth it, you got to work at it. Now it sounds like I'm at home in Australia, okay? If it's worth it, you've got to work at it. You know, myths are super interesting to me. Who here has heard the statement that if you go to Australia, you will surely die of a snake bite or a spider bite. Who's heard that? Everybody in the room. I don't know where that began, but that is a myth, okay? I've lived there for 15 years. I originally lived in New Zealand, but I lived in Australia for 15 years. I have never seen a venomous spider ever, not one time. In 15 years, I've seen two snakes. One of them was in the outback. The other one was about this big, okay? So that is a myth. So you guys should all visit Australia because you will not die by a snake bite or a spider bite, okay? I will tell you what you need to be aware of and careful of in Australia, and it's this thing right here called the Huntsman. Look at that thing. Everybody, everybody go like this with your hand. I'm not kidding you. They are this big inside your house. In summertime. All right, you can take that creepy photo away. They are so big, Fuse, that you literally can't squash it to kill it because it'd be like killing a bird in your house, which you just shouldn't do. You have to capture it and then release it into the wild, okay? But the thing is, they're not venomous. So they're not going to harm you. So you guys should all come to Australia. So I just busted that myth for you. But I say that to say this. Fuse, listen up. 
it is a myth that Christianity should be easy. It is a myth that when you become a Christian, your life will be simple. That is a huge myth, and I do not know who began it, but it is not true. And that's what Paul here is saying to Timothy. Timothy, this isn't going to be a walk in a park. If you are going to live a life of legacy, then you are going to need the mindset of a soldier. You are going to need the mindset of an athlete. You are going to need the mindset of a farmer. Three people who work very hard to gain, to win the war, to gain the prize or to reap the harvest. That is the mindset fuse that we all need to have when it comes to following Jesus. If it's worth it, you've got to work at it. Now, this concept isn't new to anybody, right? Who here loves Chick-fil-A? All right. Anybody love Bojangles more than Chick-fil-A? Seriously? That's very surprising to me. Here's how I know that working for something is worth it to you is because I have seen you guys wait in line at Chick-fil-A in the drive-thru at like 7.30 in the morning just to get your chicken biscuit from Chick-fil-A rather than going all the way to Bojangles. How do I know that? I know it because it's worth it to you. So you got to work for it a little bit. Or tailgating. I never understood tailgating. But you know what? For you guys, it's worth it, so you work at it. So you go and sit in a car park for 8 to 10 hours before going to a game. Why? Because it's worth it to you, so you work at it. Some of us girls, if we're being honest, we work at that photo for a long time, and then we meticulously edit it. Why? Because it's worth it to us. we got to work at it. Some of you spend hours memorizing rap lyrics or dance moves. Why? Because it's worth it for you, so you work at it. Some of you want to be college athletes, so you get up in the morning and you train and you watch your diet and you work out every single day. Why? Because it's worth it to you, so you've got to work at it. Friends, it's no different when it comes to Jesus. It's just a whole lot better because following Jesus is better than a Chick-fil-A biscuit. Following Jesus is better than going to the college you want to go to. It's better than becoming a professional athlete. It's better than having that marriage or that family one day. Following Jesus is better than anything you could ever tell me. Therefore, how much more should we be willing to work at this thing called Jesus because he is so infinitely worth it? Now, hear me when I say this. I'm not telling you you need to work at it for your salvation. I'm telling you to work at it because you have an enemy who is trying to tear you from following Jesus. And if you just idle along like it's a vacation, he might just succeed. Friends, if it's worth it, you got to work at it. Say it with me. If it's worth it, you got to work at it. And hey, the good news is this, that God, because he's such a good God, gives us the grace that we need to work at it. God is so good. Catch this in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter uh, 15 and verse 10. It says this, Paul is writing a letter to the church in Corinth, and this is what he says. But God's amazing grace has made me who I am. And his grace to me was not fruitless. In fact, I worked harder than all the rest. Paul says, I worked harder than all the rest, yet not in my own strength, but God's, for his empowering grace is poured out upon me. Paul here is saying two things. He's saying, hey, I worked really hard, but it wasn't
the strength and the grace that God provided me with. I want to share a quick story to how this has played out in my life. So in the past year, I felt really pressed by God to spend time with him in the middle of the night. Super weird. It's probably because when I wake up in the morning, I get distracted very easily. And so God knows that if he's got to have my undivided attention, then it's got to be at like 1.30 a.m. So I started sensing this from, from the Spirit of God as I was spending time with Him. And so what I did was I set my alarm for 1.30 a.m. every single morning, right? I'm kind of dreading it. Like, who the heck wants to wake up from their REM cycle and like just pray and worship and read the Bible? Not really me. But I knew that God was inviting me to do it. So I set my alarm. The first morning when my alarm went off at 1.30, I reluctantly got out of bed. And the second morning, I did it again. Third morning, I wasn't super stoked or excited about it. Started to kind of resent God a little bit. So the fourth morning, I just hit the alarm and canceled it out and went back to sleep. The more I did this, the more I felt like I was just doing it in my own strength. And I was super annoyed at God. Why are you ruining my sleep? So I just quit. I just gave up for a little bit. I was like, nah, this thing's too hard. I'll just get up earlier in the morning and do it in the morning when I'm when the sun's up. About a week or two go by, and this one morning around 2 a.m., I just kind of opened my eyes and I was wide awake. And I sensed God say to me, all right, let's spend some time together. Thought that was kind of strange that I just woke up at 2 a.m. Usually I'm a very heavy sleeper. So I just got up and I spent some time with God and had a beautiful time. The same thing happened the next day and the next day and the next day. And I wasn't even setting an alarm, but yet the Holy Spirit was waking me up. Why? Because God was giving me His grace to work at this thing called following Jesus. And I believe that there are students in the room and students on other campuses and God is giving you, maybe has already given you a specific grace to work at this thing called following Jesus. That you, unlike your friends around you, you actually like reading the Bible. That you find yourself able to pray for an hour at a time. That you, unlike your friends, that you are really passionate about following Jesus. My friends, can I tell you, go with that grace? That God is giving you that grace, so you've got to run with it. This isn't about strong-arming ourselves into following Jesus. This is about trusting that His grace is at work inside of us to make us love what He loves, to help us to follow Him, because that's what Paul says happened to him. That it's His grace which is poured out on me to help me work at this thing called following Jesus. So my friends, go with the grace. Ask for the grace. I don't set an alarm anymore. I just know when I wake up periodically throughout the week that God wants to meet with me. It's the same for you. God wants to meet with you. God wants to give you the grace to follow him. That's really good news. So as we wrap up, I'm gonna ask for the keys to come out on every um, location, but I wanna just quickly recap. The first thing, if it's worth it, fuse them, we've gotta work at it. The second thing is that God gives us the grace we need to work at it. And as we close tonight, the third thing I wanna talk about is that Jesus is always worth it. He is always worth it. Who here is 14 in the room? Anyone 14 or 15? So I was 14 when I started following the Lord. I'm now 29, which means I've been following Him for 15 years. And in this time, God has asked me to have the mindset of a soldier, the mindset of an athlete, the mindset of a farmer, 
You see, when I was 23 and God called me to leave my home, leave my family, leave my my friends in Australia to come here, I very much felt like a soldier that heard this direction from their master and just left everything to follow him. Sometimes I feel like an athlete, like, God, I'm waking up and it's dark and I'm just here training out, training towards holiness, training towards righteousness. God's going to call us to be athletes, to have the mindset of an athlete. That when you spend time in this thing called the Bible, you know what you're doing? You're being a farmer. You're sowing the seeds of the Word of God upon your heart. And then when you worship, when you pray, what you're doing is you are watering those seeds that one day you would see a harvest in your own life through the Word of God. And so for me, following Jesus for 15 years, I'm here to tell you, friends, that I've not once regretted it. Not one time that following Jesus is the best thing I ever decided to do. And I'm living a life I never imagined possible. Jesus is always worth it. So I'm going to tell you a story which is a little bit left field, okay? So I just need you to go with me. So when I moved back to Australia, I was super depressed because obviously I was missing you guys a heck of a lot, okay? So I was very depressed. I was sad. I cried all the time. And this one night, I remember I was in my room and I thought to myself, I'm not going to be sad tonight. I'm going to just dance around my room. So I started playing Hillsong music and I just started dancing around my room to just celebrate God, to get in his presence and to try and shake off this sadness, this depression that was on me. So as I'm dancing around my room, I need you to imagine this with me, okay? I'm I'm not going to dance, but I was dancing like, like jazz stuff or whatever I was doing. I was going all out. All of a sudden, I sensed... This is, this is going to get wild, okay? I sense that these big old angels were now peering in from my ceiling. And I've never experienced anything like this in my life, but it stopped me in my tracks. I literally like quit dancing mid-move, mid right? And I'm like, what do I do now? Like, these angels are watching. I sense that there's this presence, this angelic presence watching me. Do I keep dancing? Like, I don't know. So I like awkwardly kind of kept dancing, but was very aware that now I had spectators, so it was super bad dancing. But about a minute later, I realized why all of a sudden heaven was peering in to my room as I worshiped God, and it was this. About a minute later, I sensed the presence of Jesus walk into my bedroom. And I can't even tell you what it felt like. I cannot explain it, other than the fact that I knew my best friend, The Savior I've been telling you about, that His presence just waltz on into my bedroom. So I spun around to look at the door and there was no bodily form there, but I knew that Jesus was now walking across my rug and took a seat on my couch. Now, Fuse training didn't prepare me for this. I didn't know what to do. So I just got on my knees in front of where this beautiful, sweet, tender presence was sitting and I just kissed the ground where I felt His feet were resting. It was this beautiful moment of heaven and earth coming together and me just being entranced with the presence of God. It only lasted a couple of minutes before this presence just left my room and left me floored and awed, right? So I'm laid out on my rug like, what the heck was that? But you know what, Fuse? It was the most precious and beautiful moment of my entire life. Just a couple of minutes, a couple of short moments in the presence of Jesus 
has been worth 15 years of following, of working at it, of pushing through, of fighting, of sowing seeds, of fighting off fear and doubt and friends who aren't following Jesus. It was worth every bit of working at this thing with my relationship with God. It was worth it all. So I want to encourage you here tonight that following Jesus, it's always worth it. It's always worth it that we're not called to live on vacation. This thing is not going to be easy. We are called to be like soldiers. We are called to be like athletes. We are called to be like farmers. But let me tell you, the presence of Jesus is worth every bit of work, every bit of effort, every bit of a Wednesday night. He is so worth it. So my friends, I just wanna close with that encouragement that He is extending a hand to you saying, would you just let me walk this life with you and show you how worthy I am of your whole life? But as I was praying about how to end tonight, I felt God say this to me, that my kids, they're not gonna work at something if they don't think it's worth it. A political leader isn't going to send soldiers into battle if he doesn't think the war is worth it. An athlete is not going to train for a, for a race or anything or a prize or award if they do not think it's going to be worth it in the end. A farmer is not going to sow seeds of a crop that he doesn't think is worth it. So for us, as we follow Jesus, I want you to know that understanding the worth of, it, of Jesus is the prerequisite to any work that you will ever put into following Him in the first place. So tonight, I truly believe that God wants to convince us of His worth, that God wants to remind our hearts, as this passage says, remember Jesus Christ, that God wants to do that for us tonight. He wants to come and convince us that He is worthy of your training, that He is worthy of you fighting for this thing, that He is worthy of you sowing seeds of the Word of God into your heart every single day. He is worthy. So as we close tonight, what I wanna ask you to do is if you wanna be convinced of the worth of Jesus Christ tonight, that that would propel you into a life like a soldier, like an athlete, like a farmer. If you wanna be convinced tonight, I'm asking that you would just do one thing with me and that is to open your hands, palm up like this. And I just wanna pray for us. My palms are open. I want God to convince me more and more of how worthy He is of my whole life. So Father, as we come to you here tonight on this Wednesday night at Fuse, I'm asking that you would do what I cannot do for these brothers and sisters of mine. I'm asking that you would please convince them of the worth of Jesus Christ. Father, that we would see you as most glorious, as most wonderful, as most treasured. And that would be the motivation that we need to work at this thing called following Jesus. So tonight, with our palms up, Holy Spirit, convince us of your worth. Fuse, let your mind wander towards Jesus. Think about your Savior. Picture Him in your mind. With eyes like fire and a smile of love.
think on the life that he's given you, the life he's invited you in to live. Now think on the eternity that awaits us. When the kingdom of God comes in all of its fullness, all of its glory, and we get to walk the streets of heaven with Jesus. Think about the worth of that God. Father, I ask tonight that you would convince me you'd convince every leader, every volunteer, and every student that you are so worth everything we have. God, I pray that you would give us the mindset of a soldier, that you would help us to fight the fight of faith, even when our friends are checking out. God, give us the grace to fight this fight of faith. God, I'm believing for every young person on every location that you would give us, God, the mindset of an athlete. That we would be so convinced of your worth that we would spend no expense in following you in order to run the race that you've given us to run. And God, I'm asking that by your grace that you would enable us to be like a farmer who would till up the soil and sow some seeds and water those seeds and wait for the harvest to come in our own lives, that you'd give us the patience of a farmer. So Father, as we're gathered here tonight, wanting to live a life of legacy, I just ask that by your grace that you would enable each and every one of us to do that that if any of us had believed that this thing should be easy, God, would you encourage our hearts to know that even when it's difficult and hard and lonely, that you're right there with us. You're by our side, walking hand in hand with us every day of our lives. So I thank you for these young people. I pray that you would continue to bless them in their lives, that you'd bless them in their homes and their families and their schools that this, God, would be a generation of soldiers for you, of athletes who run the race for you, and of farmers who see a great harvest and a great reward for you. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you um, put your hand up earlier, I would love to invite um, those leaders to now go to those students who had their hand up to and wanted to respond to Jesus, respond to that salvation invitation. And I would love those leaders to just go have a conversation with those students. That'd be amazing. For the rest of us, we're gonna sing a couple more songs. So why don't you stand onto your feet and um, we'll sing with the band. Thank you.